Hola from Chaminger. My name is Fabian Chagoya, and I'm your host of Social Wisdom. How do you know what to work on to improve? By being exposed to what is actually possible or obtainable. A major goldmine of untapped knowledge and experience is learning from others. Social Wisdom. Be a sponge. Save yourself countless lessons and years of figuring out the hard way by absorbing it firsthand from others. And here we go. Today on Social Wisdom, we're going to be exploring the advice from our guest, Taylor Yu. Hey, Taylor, how you doing today? Hello. Good, you? I'm doing excellent. It's exciting to be able to do this with you for two reasons in my mind. One, because we hung out in person years ago in Seattle. We met through a mutual friend. And two, just to be able to now remotely, we're in different states and reconnect over a podcast and a completely different thing is to me insane. Like, how does that feel to you? Uh, it feels kind of crazy because everything just kind of like all turned remote after COVID and after everything hit. I was actually out, out of the country. So it was kind of crazy trying to get back into the U.S. and everything. Where were you at, if you don't mind me asking? Vietnam. Oh, so you actually had gone out. Did it like happen like right before, during, or how was the situation? I was actually visiting my wife's family in Vietnam, and we were over there for three months from December 26th, so right after Christmas, and then to March 20. It was supposed to be March 26th, but because of COVID, my parents were like freaking out. They're like, you need to come home now. They're going to close the airports. They're going to not let you back in the U.S. How was it coming back to the U.S. and how did it differ in Vietnam, in your opinion? So in Vietnam, actually, they did a very good job of actually stopping COVID. Late January, it hit Vietnam pretty hard. And that's when it, the realization woke up and was like, this could be pretty serious. So they had like locked down everything. They closed all the bars. All family businesses were closed. No one was able to go out after a certain time in Vietnam. If they did, they'd toss you back and be like hey you can't go here this is closed they give you a ticket or they enforce laws um it was kind of scary to be honest because at first i wasn't really too worried about the virus itself it was just the authority there right and then on my way back i was like oh it's just kind of like a flu it'll go away right it's not that bad and then the numbers started slowly increasing during my two-week quarantine i actually had to stay at my parents and my landlord was like hey don't come back for two weeks stay somewhere else for two weeks and then come back to the house so yeah it was pretty crazy so obviously that that was huge especially because kind of like you got to see two different countries handle it very differently which i mean the u.s definitely lacked the the ballsiness i guess we can call it right to enforce these things my question to you then is, so you came back and all of a sudden things are changing. People are telling you, hey, you got to quarantine. Like, how did this start affecting your mindset? You come back and then all of a sudden like, no one is going to be hiring or tell us a little bit more about that. I had used to fundraise. They had halted this uh, governor had halted all businesses and that they were not allowed to fundraise in person. So I came back. I was like, OK, well, I'm still hired by them. But we're basically on furlough, so we don't have anywhere to go. I was collecting unemployment. I honestly didn't want to go back to work because unemployment started paying more. 
than my actual job. I wasn't spending because we were quarantined, just getting basic necessities. And then uh, everything started opening up, spending more money. And then my mindset kind of just came from like lazy. I didn't want to go back to work because of the uh, unemployment. And then after eight months, my parents were actually like, hey, you should probably go back to work somewhere. And I ended up working for Toyota Forklift Northwest. So you know how a forklift looks? There's a big counterweight that holds a forklift from tilting over. We repaired that and make it look brand new. And also so that they can resell it and all that. So I started working. Mindset started to be like, I don't want to go to work. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And then now I had realized that I basically wasted a whole 11 months at that time. After the eight months of doing nothing not improving my wife basically pointed out that i had done nothing it was like played games all day stayed home eat sleep come back do the same thing every single day you felt like you weren't accomplishing anything my question to you is was it out of like almost necessity so what i mean by that is COVID hit pandemic hit you were in vac on vacation somewhere you come back your life completely turns around all of a sudden you can't do your job anymore which is kind of crazy like, do you feel like that, let's just call it laziness, but it really was just not doing anything outside of home life. Was it you, your body and your mental health just basically saying, hey, I need to like recover and stabilize because so much is going on? Or do you think it actually was just like, you were like, okay, I can kind of chill right now because of unemployment and all this stuff? I think it was partially from also me coming back from Vietnam and not working for three months that kind of made it like to the point where it's like, okay, I don't want to do anything and transition back into, you know, work, grind, get to where I want to be, improve. The vacation after the vacation, you have to like change your mindset after that. Yeah. It's hard to change after that. So it, you you kind of get stuck in a loop. So it's, it was comfortable at first. I enjoyed it. And I was like, okay, four months, I can do this. This is fine. Five months, I'll look for a job in the next month. Six months passed by. My boss had called me up saying, hey, we're doing telephone calling. Didn't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, random cold calling. No, thank you. It wasn't, wasn't for me. And then started to switch into like nine to 10 months in when I got the job at my, the company that my dad works at. It just slowly was like, okay, I need to start doing this. So now, right now I'm in like the mode where I'm improving myself also like my mindset and physically as well. Well, I mean, I think that's really cool that you kind of saw that, Hey, I need to start doing something about this. I can't just keep remaining the status quo nine, 10, 11 months. And the next thing you know, it's another year and you haven't really done anything. And did the concern of like time hit you? Like you were like, Oh my, like, a year just passed by and nothing major happened. What was the trigger in your opinion that kind of made you feel like, Hey, things need to change now. I think the trigger was the time that had actually passed. Cause when I had come back, it was my birthday. I had just turned 23, a year passed. And I was like, Oh crap. I'm 24 now. Um, <laughs> we kind of have gone through COVID for a whole year and nothing has gotten done. It was to the point like I need to switch into gear 
and start working, start doing this, start improving. Being on this podcast, thank you for having me. Also, by the way, it was something that I wanted to do and it was out of my comfort zone. So I was like, I should probably try doing new things. Respect, man. I like that. I think number one, I, I just want to say from me to you, we're both young, but you're especially still really young, dude. The way I view it is you can restart at any point. Like I would even say like a 45 year old, 50 year old, if they wanted to, like they could be like, I am done working at being the Starbucks manager in Seattle. I am going to completely change that. I'm going to flip my life around and I'm going to start working towards certain goals or aspirations that I've always had. And why can't you start then, right? Like the question is, do you not have money? Do you have a certain other obligations? Like do you have to take care of your parents or your wife or whatever, right? Like those are things that can change that. But I feel in your case, I mean, you're young. You have the opportunity to really still discover so many things and try different things and really kind of decide what you want to do. So I just want to put things in perspective because a lot of things you're saying like, oh, I felt like, I mean, yes, you can say you could have used your year better, but I really, I wouldn't be too harsh on yourself because sometimes you have to go to that part in life where you're like, you didn't do anything. You were lazy, so to speak. You didn't, you maybe gained weight. You were whatever, right? Like all these things that the society considers not ideal, but you now saw what that was. You saw how you felt. I'm pretty sure you're probably not going to do it again unless something terrible happens, right? Right now, it's like also there's a lot of stuff that's like holding me back, but it all comes down to like making a plan and actually going for it rather than just not doing it. Well, let's kind of transition to it. I think that's a really good point. I appreciate all the things you shared. Um, I love the fact that you are working in a completely different field. I'm definitely going to be interested to hear if this job was just a job. Sorry if your bosses are listening or it's something actually you were interested in because there are two very different things. But it sounds to me like you have certain goals and you said that there's certain things holding you back. And those are the things that I want to focus on. But let's talk about that job piece first. So you're working at this forklift place. And that's something that I find absolutely fascinating because I have no idea where I would even start there, man. Like stuff like mechanical things and like handy stuff, like I'm okay, but I would much rather, like I was happy when I got money in sales to pay stuff and buy stuff because I'm like, hey, who wants to fix this for me, right? So curious, that job, like did you choose it for a particular reason? Was it money? Was it interest? Tell me more about that. When I started, it was like, okay, I have like obligations I need to pay for, right? Obviously rent, uh, tuition, stuff like that. Stimulus check and the unemployment is not going to keep, you know, keep funding that. The time passed and it did cover most of it. And then it was the point where like, like I said, my wife pointed out and also it ended up to a point where my parents were also pointing out saying, you can't just be sitting at home playing video games all day and not doing anything. So it was supposed to be just a job, but now I like it. It's actually, it's a lot more enjoyable than my previous job. The stress, the amount of time I had to stand outside fundraising downtown Seattle, the people I had to train for like four or five days straight, making sure that they did the job, but also 
the fact that when I would train them, they wouldn't stay. So it was just a bunch of effort put into someone that wasn't worth the time. You can kind of tell when you're doing a certain job if someone is going to make it or not when you've done it for a while. They may blow you away. They may surprise you. But it would just end up to be the point where like 90% of the people that I did train and I knew weren't going to make it weren't making it. And only about 10% of the people that I had fully trained did make it. So it was just exhausting. Well, I think there's a lot there that I, I want to talk about. I completely understand wh why you were exhausted having to train people like training people is actually uh, such a valuable skill set. You should be always mentioning that and talking about that from any jobs you do from now on, because a lot of people don't realize that training is one of the keys to employee success. Like most jobs that I've had have had terrible training and you can set someone up for success. Now, one thing that you said was right is that I feel like a job like that is very similar to the timeshare job where we had met. That job was very sink or swim. Like they weren't too particular about who they hired. They wanted to make sure you were okay, but they knew that it was really challenging. So most people couldn't do it. So I was in charge of training, mentoring people at that time. So I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm like, okay, like you'd invest like back then it used to be two weeks. Then they lowered it to three days. But imagine you spend two weeks with one person and then at the 20th day, they leave. You're like, oh my goodness, I just wasted all this time, right? So I completely understand where you're coming from there. Also in the same way, it also improves on how you train, right? And also retaining people and fundraising and sales in general, retaining staff to make sure that it doesn't seem like you're forcing them and that they're having fun with their job. I, I think the reason I did fundraising for so long is because... It was fun. I loved making people smile when they would fun like fundraising. They'd be like, oh, this is going to these kids over in this country. And it would. Them seeing the impact that it had on those kids uh, that they actually were able to see or get letters from in the mail. It it's kind of like your baby almost. Like you, you really was something you spent a lot of time in. Oh, man. It's just <laughs> I have a lot of good memories of it and a lot of like exhausting memories and made a lot of friends though from it though too as well. There's very few jobs that I would even consider going back to that I've held. And I've done really well in pretty much all my jobs. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I would ever go back. The reason why I say that is because since you first started to where you are now, you've improved, you've grown, you've learned. You're like, ooh, I'm better than I was back then. So I'm curious what it is about fundraising. You, you mentioned one thing that I thought was really interesting is that you like seeing people smile and that they saw that they're making an impact and you know that you're making an impact. Like you want something that will really help someone's life. That's one of the things that I got from that. But was it like the socialization aspect? Like what other thing was it that really drew you? I think it was more of the socialization aspect of it. Also making people laugh during the day. Our job was to stop people on the streets and fundraising and ask them to donate. And people in downtown Seattle at the time were like, busy, right? There's Amazon, there's um, Oracle, Nordstrom, Microsoft. There's people walking all over the place from building to building and just getting people to stop from walking past you and stopping and making them laugh. Even if they just don't stop for you and you say, hey, like, oh, you look like someone I know. And they're like, who? You're like my new best friend. Just making them laugh or smile throughout the day, it was fun. If I didn't hit the quota for the day, it's more of a like, I had a good day, had good, good conversations, met some really nice people. I think 
meeting the people over and over that had signed up with me for fundraising and to donate was probably the best part of it. So I've gone twice to Vietnam, uh, once last year and three years before. And then during that three years before the first time I had left, when I came back to fundraise, my boss had actually told me and a bunch of my coworkers that were still there, they said, oh, a bunch of people at Amazon kept asking where you were. So it had really surprised me that people at Amazon and Microsoft and those people that I got to sign up had actually remembered me personally just from standing on the street and asking them to donate monthly for a children's charity. Well, that's really cool. That's a really cool part. And I can relate because I just remember like the Wyndham piece, you know, stopping people is very challenging. It's not a competition. Which one was more challenging? Obviously, I think a donation is. <laughs> They're both pretty hard. Yep. Just in general, people don't, especially the, that kind of crowd. Like West Coast people are more friendly and open than East Coast. But these people are probably very busy tech uh, oriented people that have a tight schedule and they are on a mission to go somewhere. And because of that, stopping them is challenging. I think one of the things that is so special about a job like that is your relationship building. What you were describing is relationship building. And it's why I loved sales. Once I did the timeshare thing and I continued in my sales career, I realized that relationship building was one of the things that like lit me up. I had almost a, more of an account management role. So I would keep seeing the same people maybe once a month, at least like uh, doctors or whatever. And over the course of a year, like I changed, they changed, maybe they had a kid, maybe they got married, whatever. You actually are having a relationship with them. Like it's more professional, but you can also be friends in a way. So I thought that was always something that was really cool to me. I didn't know that I would have liked that so much. And it sounds to me like that was one piece for you. Would you agree? It's very enjoyable because you get to meet and learn about a bunch of different people and it's very interesting how people react in certain ways and how you talk and socialize with them. Do you feel like the reason most people sink in sales is because they just cannot handle the aspect of rejection? Because you're constantly, constantly, constantly getting rejected or blown off or even like sometimes insulted for like trying to stop them. Like, do you think it's that or is there something else that goes behind it? And how did you handle that piece? Most of the people that didn't make it is mostly because of the rejection. This one person had just like had a mental breakdown um, because someone had told them that they're wasting their time or to F off. It, it also gave me a perspective on also how cruel people can actually be too uh, for for no no apparent reason at all. You just even look at them sometimes. They just like, tell you to F off or say, leave, you're wasting my time. Every person's different, but it really says a lot about them. Let's just say it's a kid is doing this job. You know what it is. He's trying to get donations and you're telling him all this stuff and insulting him. It's like, come on, like maybe that was you 12 years ago. The fact that they are doing that. I mean, it says a lot about their happiness and their fulfillment and their insecurity or whatever. That's how I view it to make myself understand it because otherwise I'm like, why are people doing it? You know, like, why are you hating on random people on the street that you don't know? For me personally, the rejection, it that didn't really bug me throughout, I think, elementary school to middle school. I was like, 
bullied mostly for me just ignoring it eventually and being the bigger person thinking this person's saying this for a reason i think a lot of people don't look enough into their past because i think a lot of who we are i mean who we are today is literally defined by our past like little things so i'm curious to hear do you feel like that bullying and all that stuff did it cause you to have like this down period or did you build like some insecurity in you or was was there ever any aftermath to that or did you just like get older and overcome it or did you move away somewhere and no, people didn't bully anymore tell me more about that piece i think it's mostly the way that my parents raised me um just mostly because they're like hey let it go they might be having something going on at home and i i, I think the reason that it didn't really quite affect me is because I knew that they probably did. People who do bully have like some insecurities or things that are going on in their life that they can't quite get away from. They're almost like lashing out uh, what they're receiving. They're like passing it forward to make themselves feel better in a way. Lashing out from the anger. Yep. So seeing that you kind of and your parents constantly like reinforcing that thought you kind of understood where it was coming from. but So you really didn't let it affect you? I mean, I respect that and admire that. I wish I would have had like that mental fortitude. It didn't destroy me, but it definitely got to me in a way. I think more of the recognition of that happening is me realizing it while I was in college and hearing people be like, oh, you're a little bit fat. You need to lose weight. It wasn't like, oh, I, I feel down, right? It was just like, I knew I had to lose weight, but it was also to a point where it didn't quite affect me. And then later on, like after high school and, and then college, I'd actually look back at my pictures and I look at myself now and I'm like, I actually lost a lot of weight from high school. You always think that when you're in high school, that that's how you are going to look for like the rest of your life. And there's so much more even now that I, I need to learn personally. There's always more things to do and more things to learn as you go through life. And I remember one worker, it's kind of strange. This guy worked at Amazon and I remember him telling me all these people are sheep that work at Amazon. But the funny thing was he worked at Amazon and I, I kind of stared at him. I was like, wait, but you, you work here too. He's like, well, yeah, but I don't do all this stuff. He's like, don't settle for too little. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, don't get used to how you feel right now don't get stuck in a loop of doing the same things over and over and over again and every time i saw him he's like hey, how are you doing today did you hit your quota stuff like that he's like what are you doing tomorrow and he'd always be asking me if i was doing something else or learning something else and at the time i was learning a little bit more vietnamese and he's like oh that's good you're improving and over the course of like six months i would see him every day and then just he was just gone after that well, that's a really good story. I actually would love to have met that guy because he sounds like exactly the way I started thinking a few years ago. I mean, it already started a while back, but very much so recently. I say this to everyone, not just you, but when you're young, like don't you don't need to rush it, but you should always be working to, you know, learn something or change something or improve something. And it could literally be, by the way, like even just getting better at a video game. Just so people realize it doesn't have to be anything drastic, life changing, but this game is something that matters to you. It's bringing you happiness, like getting better at it or improving. Like 
that could actually be very worthwhile in your life. But you're still constantly improving. And that's one of the things I, I mean, shout out to the challenger brand is like always be improving is such a key thing. What that guy said, people, most people are, I wouldn't necessarily use the word cheap anymore, but I understand that I've used it in the past. It's basically everyone, they're followers. They're not, they're not the leader. They're not lines. They just want to see what everyone else does. And they're going to try to fit in and mold themselves to that. So then, you know, years go by and you're doing the same thing and that's it. They're going to be doing that same job forever. And it kind of goes back to your fundraising situation, man. It's like, hey, um, it's a great job. It's a great opportunity. And you got some really good skills that you might not even realize are worth a lot. That if you learned how to sell yourself and market yourself, you could probably like climb the ladder just because you had that experience. But I think being able to constantly improve and change yourself and not like conform into that is such a big thing. So that was some really good advice. <laughs> I've heard that before, and usually it doesn't quite click the first time, right? When you hear things like that, oh, okay, this person's giving me some information. But hearing it from my parents, hearing it from him, um, just also hearing it in videos, that's the reason I wanted to travel to Vietnam as well, my wife being from there. But it's seeing new perspectives and exploring new things is probably the most valuable thing besides education. Well, let's talk about that. So one of the big things of this social wisdom series is that I want to have people on like yourself that have a story to tell, that have your own journey, you know, the ups and downs. But there's a few key things that you've identified and felt like have really helped you improve or change your life. Would you say that one of them is that you have actually left the United States, you've traveled and you've seen different environments you've seen a third world country you've seen places where you can buy a full meal at one dollar would you say that's one of them yeah it definitely is i think the one thing that made me realize the most was like jamaica and vietnam were the two biggest things that had actually made me realize that financially you, you should be secure but also it won't lead to you being happy money doesn't buy happiness in jamaica they had met um I think it was a tour guide. And then as we were driving, all the houses were like a quarter way built and people were living in them and they weren't even fully complete houses. My father had asked him, why are these houses not completed? Why, why are they just all, you know, stone and then a window and that's it. And there's a bunch of framework for the rest of the house. And the guy's like, oh, they take like 20 to 30 years to build the houses because they're on an island. So they have to have everything imported from other countries and other places because they don't have enough resources on the island itself. And seeing that and how happy the people were there just also made me think a bunch of money won't make me happy. My first trip to Vietnam, I was kind of expecting it to be like Japan <laughs> in a way where like, you know, lights, there's neon everywhere. It's like the nightlife's really like picking up everyone's drinking there's tons of like people partying like a party life at night i got there to vietnam and it kind of was underwhelming for me at first you're expecting all these skyscrapers all this nightlife all these cars and stuff like that and then you get there at like i think i had to arrive there at 1 a.m so there wasn't anyone out and it was like dark we had stopped by this restaurant on the side of the road to get pho and that was my first meal in Vietnam. I didn't have any cash at the time. So 
her parents had paid for us and i was like oh how much is this my wife's like oh no no no, don't 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 worry about it it was only like five dollars and there's like six of us i was like okay this is something i can get with going through like downtown saigon walking around seeing people they were happy even the homeless people like you can't even tell they're homeless because they probably had housing by the government but very little people that were just sitting on the street begging for money if they didn't have money they would be working and you would interact with these people and even if i couldn't speak vietnamese at that time they were very inviting and caring and happy to see that someone is there visiting them or buying food from them it, that's also something that had shocked me because I spent half of the month in the city in downtown Saigon and then the other half in the countryside. So I'm talking about like a city about the size of maybe a big high school, the population about like 500, 600 in that little tiny town. And oh man, that was probably most like at peace I've ever actually felt. Do you like that? Yeah, I, I I loved it. You're on vacation for a month and you're just sitting there relaxing, sitting in a, a hammock, drinking a beer or having pho for 25 cents or going for a smoothie for like 50 cents. I think that's the best I've ever felt in my life is like going to Vietnam and just relaxing and seeing that money doesn't really make you happy. And without necessarily having all the luxuries and the hustle and bustle and everything like that, like sometimes the simplicity is the more important piece i need to improve like my mindset on this stuff finding ways to like earn a steady income but not to a point where it's like i'm crippled by it just like enjoying moments like the vacation enjoying moments to just relax and enjoy life i love that you said that man i mean that's such a powerful realization it's interesting to me that you had it happened to you in a similar way. I mean, I had an up and down, but because I grew up traveling so much and living in third world countries, like actually living there, also vacationing, but mostly living, it gave me like this humility and this perspective very early on. It's just like, whoa, like the people in the US are living a completely different world than everywhere else, pretty much. I mean, there's Europe and like you said, Japan, Tokyo, those places are much more similar. But you go to some place, like you said, like Vietnam, you go to Cozumel, you go to Jamaica. I lived in Jamaica and you go in the not touristy area. And like you said, there's these homes that are broken down. You're walking by and there's literally like I had to walk to school and every day I would walk by like just random families, like just sitting out front in their like half broken shack smoking weed, you know, at like 8 a.m. Imagine seeing that as a kid, you're like, whoa, what's happening? And then they have like their goats and their chickens that are like walking next to them on their bicycle. It's just a completely different world. And I'm worried about, you know, what I'm going to eat tonight. I'm worried about, oh, where are we going to go on a vacation? I'm worried about when am I going to get new shoes? It really puts things in perspective very quickly. And you're like, okay, like those things just, they don't matter in the grand scheme of things, like maybe short term. And that's such a powerful thing to realize at a young age. I mean, even realizing it at 21, 22, 23, like it already puts you at a different level than so many other people, man. It's a reality check and it makes you kind of 
reprioritize things realizing that money doesn't get you everything like i think money's awesome getting that freedom you know to do what you want where you want but i worked in sales it's a very high paying potential and the harder you work the more you can earn but then it's like you're working so much you're stressing out pressure of quota all these things and then you get it and then you're like okay this is awesome but now what you know is this it like now i don't have time to actually spend it with the people that i care about or all these things. And that's when you start taking a step back. So I love that you said that, like, I would summarize what you said, as uh, it's really just like that perspective and humility. But I'm curious, uh, if you agree with that, it kind of made me bitter in a way when I came back. Uh, the first time from Vietnam, I went back to work to fundraise for the same company. It made me very bitter at that job about what people had complained about. Like the stuff that they would tell me why they can't stop and talk or donate to a charity. It kind of made my perspective on what Americans think of like necessities. So like when you're out in public and you hear someone say, oh, my phone's on 10% right after you come back from a third world country. It kind of does make you a little bit bitter of like how people see that. There's actually people in these countries that are living on like... I think Vietnam's average salary is about $700 a month. And they're happier than the people who are making double, triple, even quadruple what they're making. It made me very grateful for what I have. All this that I have right now, don't take it for granted. Enjoy it. I love it, man. So you would say the key to having a better life is traveling and expanding your horizons. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Definitely. Nas Daly and Drew Binsky, they're two guys that travel around the world and they've done like collab videos a lot. I think Nas Daly has traveled to all the countries in the world and his horizons on like perspectives on how people act, how people see politics, how people um, see life and their outcome of life is way more than what I think anyone can get, but he has expanded that by traveling to these other countries and seeing and experiencing it himself. Well, I love that you shared that because um, one of the things that I was going to bring up right before, which is very relevant to what he said, is, you know, this guy traveled so much and had so much more knowledge and perspective. As you keep watching, make sure you join the live streams, man. Like, I think you should interact and, you know, hype people up, get them on. I want this to be very conversational, build a community and have people like share these kind of stories. Because I think a lot of people just need an avenue to share. But the game is really access of knowledge so what do i mean by that there's just so much out there that most people are just not aware of like you said let's talk about americans sorry americans we're foreigners we're gonna <laughs> criticize you guys a little bit they just live in like this bubble right and it's great like there's no reason that they don't have to change but once they start complaining and all these things it's like hey guys there's so much more out there and once you check it out, you realize, oh, hey, well, now you know about this country. Now you know about this country. Now you know about currency. Now you know about in Vietnam, they make this much money and the, the cost of living is this. As you start learning, you know, it, that you start growing because of that. You just have so much more knowledge. But here comes the other part. There is a dark side to knowledge. And what do I mean by that? Because if you once you know these things, you can't go back like. Now I'm aware of, hey, 
there's so much more in the world, the beauty of traveling, the, you know, money isn't this be all end all. And I almost, I'm glad I have knowledge. I don't regret it, but there's times where I'm just like, oh, like when you hear someone say something, you just know it's wrong. So curious to know what you feel about that piece, like the axis of knowledge, like blessing and a curse. There was several times where like for fundraising where you get to a point when you're in sales where you can influence what someone does in a way it's subtle things where you implant that seed in their brain and they're like doing it for example i don't know if this would kind of relate to it but like my parents as a kid you want gifts for christmas so the older you get you realize that it's not the big fat man isn't there oh no kids don't watch this you guys didn't hear anything <laughs> the older i got i knew that was another thing so by like middle school i had used it to like Oh, what's he getting me for Christmas? And I, I don't think they had quite realized that I knew up until I was too old to like, I would say 11th grade. I kind of had abused that, but I'm pretty sure by like 10th or 9th, they knew people can be so much more easily influenced when you have that knowledge, especially when fundraising, like one reason people would be like, oh, why can't you donate? And I wouldn't say it'd be manipulating in a bad way, but there are ways that that can be used in a better way. It's something like where you have to kind of hold yourself back from doing that because you know, it's not right. Well, let's talk about that for a second, man. Um, do you feel like that was a skill set going back to something that I asked you way before a lot you got kind of like from your fundraising? I mean, you no, know, you mentioned that you did it already as a kid. And I mean, a lot of kids are good at it. Basically what you're describing was that you started learning social skills to a certain extent. You started understanding human psychology, body language, and that's how you get better at sales and all this stuff and communication. But you're right. There comes a point where, like you said, you can manipulate people. And you're right. You have to basically take a step back and be like, well, no, I can't do that. But it's scary. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's like psychologically, it was just like, there was always a game that we would do, um, fundraising. It was kind of a fun game where you would do something like hand motion, facial gesture, and the person that you were talking to would actually copy what you would do and they would do it unconsciously. When someone would stop and talk, they would have a closed like position. So they'd be sitting there like this, listening to you. And then if you took a step back, like if I'm this close to someone or this close to someone talking to them, if I took a step back they would open up and be more open. So I think the negative part of that and the dark side of that is it's scary. It honestly is scary knowing that you can do that and have some influence how they act in a certain way, just based off your own facial expressions or their facial expressions and being able to tell what they're thinking. Well, let's start uh let's start concluding here because this this has been a great talk, man. One of the key things that we talk about is success, right? Mindset, perspective, all these other things. But one of the things that I think a lot of people in today's day and age really like hyper focus on is, oh, I need to be successful. I need to be successful. We have a definition here at Challenger, and I wanna know what you think about the definition and what would you say is success to you? So the way we define it is it's success is the point where you feel great with what you have currently accomplished in your life. You're happy with yourself, with your worth, with your value, and you don't feel the need to have other people validate it. So that is how we define it and how I have found myself feeling successful. Curious what are your thoughts on that? And then what would you say 
is a good like definition for it if you had to give one i would say that success is like basically being able to not be stuck in a constant loop but also enjoying life and also um being at like peace with what you're doing and who you're with got it well leave us your thoughts on i know we talked about it throughout the entire episode but on the the concept of always be improving kind of want to hear your concluding thoughts i think this is one thing for always be improving is don't get too comfortable always want to learn something new i love it i love it that's that's a perfect summary of what we talked about so taylor thanks so much for being on this episode of social wisdom now is the part where you get to talk about anything that is relevant to you, whatever it is that you want to mention and shout out. The shout out is mostly to people who have been in my life and are in my life right now. I think mostly you and sales for like work-wise, the sales aspect of it was pretty big for me. And meeting you in Wyndham was probably like, it, it was kind of weird to me, like how, how you're so happy. And the sales part of it was just so exhausting, but you were like able to keep doing that. Just go through that. Like it was nothing. I think that also makes me who I am socially as well from sales and doing the things that I do now and how I interact with people in certain ways. Awesome, man. I love it. Well, I'm glad that I could inspire you seeing that because at the end of the day, that's what more does anyone really want? You know, create a legacy, help people out. The key takeaway from Taylor Yu is travel guys. You will learn so much. You'll expand so much. Travel, learn, learn a new language. Well, shout out is I think the person who most importantly made me who I am is my wife. Because as much as she may yell at me for doing stupid stuff, that also makes me a better person. Blink four times if she's there and she made you say that. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I appreciate you. Thanks for, for hopping on. And... See you guys next time on Social Wisdom. Hey, my fellow challengers. Thanks so much for experiencing the Social Wisdom of the Week. We hope you absorbed as much as you could. Please leave a comment if you learned something. Or if you have another guest whose wisdom you'd love to hear. If the message is helping you, please remember to check out our coffee donation page so we can also become exceptional. Follow our journey on all our social medias and subscribe so you never miss an opportunity to hashtag be a sponge. Challenger 